Welcome to Day 64 of Shipped by the Word, Season 2. I'm Paul Kemp here with Katie Kresge and Matt Kresge. And David Keefe may drop in on us any time. So if you hear a little rustling in the background, that's David finding his place at the table and joining in the conversation. Uh, season 2 has been called the drama of Scripture. And uh, we certainly have experienced a lot of drama, but the drama is about to heighten as we go through the Exodus. And God confronts the world powers in order to redeem His people. And so in Exodus 1, we've heard the cries of God's people. In Exodus chapter 2, we begin to see the answer to those cries through a very reluctant servant of God, uh, Moses. So before we take off in Exodus chapter 2, let's do as, as we always do. Let's pause and, and take a deep breath and realize what a wonderful gift we have in Scripture uh, that it is far more than just words on a page or a story for us to enjoy, but it is an invitation to to know God and to have our affections stirred and our life transformed uh, by interaction with everything that he is and everything that he has called us and redeemed us to be. So before we, uh, before we press on, Matt, do you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this time together in your word. Father, we thank you that as we read, um, you, you search our hearts, you convict us, you, you transform us through it, and, and we ask for that uh, today, Father, that you would use your word to build us up in Christ Jesus, and, and we thank you for um, the, the relational uh, knowledge and, and wisdom we receive as we read as well, and we, we ask for that, Father, as we draw near to you in this time, would we, would we behold you? We thank you for the story of Scripture and the drama of Scripture that we've read thus far. Uh, thank you that we see um, this this multicolored portrait of who you are, that, that you are um, a sovereign God who cares for your people. And so, Father, would we continue to, to unpack that and, and see um, you and, and all of your beauty as we read. Uh, Father, help us. Be with us now. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 2. And now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levi woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying. She felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day, he went and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler or judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. 
When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the trough to water their water's flocks. Some, some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Reel, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flocks. And where is he? Reel asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites, and he was concerned about them. So we uh, rapidly skip over uh, Moses' entire childhood. (laughs) And I find him in a confrontational moment. The interesting thing about this passage is uh, uh, the heart you already see in Moses for a sense of justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he acts in the first instance uh, for the justice of uh, the Hebrews and the Egyptians, and he asks for justice uh, from a Hebrew to another Hebrew. And then finally he rescues you know, Reuel's daughters from the injustices of the shepherds around him. So you have three incidences That's where true. you have him acting you know, uh, on behalf of uh, you know, the underdog in, a, in every situation. I've never noticed that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I've always thought this was such a clever, going back to the beginning of the chapter, um, when he's born, that um, his mother puts him in a basket in the Nile, and then his sister follows and sees where he goes and then offers to find, <laughs> offers to the Pharaoh's daughter to find um a woman to nurse him <laughs> until he's weaned, which back then I've heard, I don't really know if this is true, but that they wean at like around three years old. But I don't know if that's, or we don't know if that's exactly right. Uh, anywhere from three to four years old. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so, it just, I mean, she gets a lot more time with him than, than she no, would have expected. Well, there's, you know, several remarkable ironies there. And of course, one of the ironies is the one who rescues Moses from the edicts of Pharaoh is Pharaoh's daughter. Hmm. himself and so you see her you know opposite of, of what her father's had and uh, she immediately sees you know the baby and has a heart of compassion for him She's and takes crying. him yeah to be his own she feels sorry for him yeah. and uh, takes him to be her her son and then name, it seems like she's the one that names him Moses because she right. drew him out of the water which yeah. is a Hebrew name right that's what Hebrew, you know, probably a Hebrew version of an Egyptian okay. Egyptian name. Okay, I was wondering because the like footnote that my Bible had was that Moses sounds like the Hebrew word for draw out, which I thought was just so God like that Moses is named this by an Egyptian woman, but God will use him as the person who leads the yeah. Exodus, the drawing yeah. out of people from Egypt. That was just so powerful. A lot of word plays. Yeah. You'll, you'll even see a lot of times in this text if um, sometimes footnotes will point it out that that basket that Moses was laid in is the same word that we get, you know, an ark. And the last time we saw God preserving a people, you know, through an ark or through the water. Came and through, through the water. Ark. And through, yeah. And, and so, again, we're watching, you know, as just 
because we've been reading this all along, we know that this isn't just some kind of coincidence where it's like, oh, Moses happened to be in a basket that floated. I mean, we're watching God again preserve his people and and preserve a person through which he will use then to, to preserve lead. a people yeah. and to lead a people. So anyone versed in the Israel, you know, in Israel's story would realize uh, that this is a God that has in the past rescued people uh, by you know providing you know providing a refuge uh, in the midst of waters. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing is you know the same thing is happening the same thing is happening here. Mm-hmm. I love to in verse twenty three it says during that long period the king of Egypt died. Yeah, you know, and, and already in two chapters we've seen you know the passing of two two king of egypt's two pharaohs you know that we have this one that comes on the scene because the one who knew joseph you know no longer is a living and joseph no longer means anything and, and now we get again the king of egypt died and and one of the the underlying subtexts that we'll see or sub themes that we'll see throughout exodus is this conflict or this you know battle happening between the god of the universe and this so-called god of egypt you know mini god of egypt and and already two chapters in, we're seeing this guy, you know, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, is no match for, for Yahweh, and he will not be a match, you know. And they keep they keep passing, but the Lord continues mm-hmm. forever. Right. He is, I am who I am. And, and so the first king, you know, that died had uh, long you know, since forgotten who, you know, Joseph was. And, of course, this one uh, probably has long since forgotten who Moses, you know, Moses was. Uh, Stephen in the book of Acts, you know, puts a timetable on this, you know, for us that uh, whenever he fled into the wilderness, he was 40 years old. And by the time he returns to Egypt, you know, he's 80 years old. So there is, you know, quite a bit of time, you know, this passing. And of course, the text is preparing us for a confrontation, you know, with this new king, uh, our new Pharaoh of Egypt, you know, from the very beginning. You have to wonder how you know Moses was raised. He, he somewhat had an awareness, either just you know through ethnic markers or through uh, the stories you know that uh, Pharaoh's daughter told him. Yeah. Uh, you know that he was of a different people, and uh, that he was you know part of a a slave people. Mm-hmm. And, and so, as an adult, he wants to identify with his own people, and what he sees, of course, horrifies him in much the same way that it's horrifying. You know, horrifying, you know, God. So you see an early call in Moses' life that will be contrasted, you know, in the, in, the, in the later call in his life when he's very reluctant. But you see an early call where he's ready, mm-hmm. you know, to act, you know, in injustice for an oppressed people with very much the heart of God. Uh, probably, you know, reacting here a little rashly, taking mm-hmm. things into his own hands rather than writing for, you know, God's leadership. And, of course, it results in him. Uh, having to flee, you know, to Midian, yeah. and of course, I like the uh, I like the short, you know, passage between he went home to eat with them and Raoul gave him his daughter Zipporah. <laughs> yeah. All happened in one, you and know, he gave in birth one, to, and, yeah, and, she, and she gave birth. All in one, yeah. all in one great sentence there. Yeah. But obviously, we're compressing time, yeah. you know, a whole lot. Yeah, I think it's it is interesting that um, God has made Moses to be someone who. Um, can relate to many different um, peoples. So, I mean, he's, he is a Hebrew, but he has grown up as an Egyptian, as a royalty or or as royalty in a lot of ways. Um, And then, but he still relates to his people. um, And then he spends this 40 years um, in, in Midian. So he almost becomes a Midianite in some ways um, because he spent just as much time there as he as he spent in Egypt. So th- there's just God has 
created in Moses just this ability to um, to not only lead and act um, in justice, in justice, not yeah. in justice, mm-hmm. um, but also to just relate to, to those um, that he's around different people groups. And, and of course, you, you have, we already know from the Joseph story, you have, uh, you know, Moses uh, from being a prince in Egypt to being a shepherd, which Egyptians, you know, detested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's taken on a whole new identity. And, of course, this is the identity he'll bring back and, and confront, you know, Pharaoh with. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, he is also in the land, uh, you know, in the space that he'll eventually lead the Israelites into. So he is becoming well acquainted with the wilderness before you know, leading him out. So God is doing several things to prepare this man for this, you know, for this place of leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things we'll notice in his young, young age, he's impetuously not ready to lead, but leads. In his older age, he will be reluctant to lead, even at the point of that God uh, gets a little bit impatient or a lot impatient with him. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of our, <laughs> our story. But we see a reflection in ourselves. Sometimes we're eager to lead in our own strength, and it's it's disastrous. Mm-hmm. And there are other times when we're not ready to lead, even when God is calling us into a place of leadership, and that's equally disastrous yeah. when we resist as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just um, we have to highlight verse 24 that, God heard their groaning and he My remembered his thought. covenant. Yeah. It's like, what a, I mean, we love seeing that. We've mm-hmm. seen it so many times thus far um, in the book of Genesis and now in Exodus that he remembered his covenant. Not that he ever forgot it, but that he is about to do something big um, mm-hmm. and move toward his people. There's also a great contrast happening here where it's the, the king of Egypt that's causing the groaning of God's people, you know, and he's harsh. And at the same time, the king of the universe sees the groaning and the crying and the, the hurting of his people, and he was concerned, uh, you know, about them. But that's not just an indifferent concern, like, well, they'll figure it out. You know, he's, he's moved pity. to action. Yeah. Um, you know, and so God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant. He's a, he's a different kind of king altogether. And, you know, we're, we're seeing this contrast continuing to build up and unfold. Yeah. And, and of course, there is a you know there is a you know underlying theme here that'll be rich to us as we move toward the New Testament that our slavery is not just a physical slavery because and Jesus said to the people of these days who said you know we were Abraham's children and we've never been slaves of anyone and of course they were slaves of Rome at the time they were making that claim but Jesus said to him anyone who sins has become a slave to sin and if the Son sets you free you'll be free indeed and so this is a picture you know god working for the freedom of an enslaved people is also a picture of how god through christ has freed us from our slavery mm. uh, to sin and to death so a rich passage and uh, they will only get a little bit more uh, quizzical as we look at how god uses you know the, the circumstances of this time and this place and these uh, religious sensibilities in order to reveal to his people and to all the world who he is mm-hmm. uh, through the, his rescue of his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katie, I'm closing us with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us um, in your word. Thank you for what you have chosen to reveal about yourself um, to us and that we get to read um, these accounts that happened so long ago um, that still point us toward what you are doing in us today. 
Um, Lord, would these not just be words on a page? Would they not just be stories um, that that took place long ago? But um, would they be so real to us um, and remind us of a God who hears us, who sees us, and who rescues us? Um, so would would you help us to come to you, our rescuer and our redeemer? And um, would your spirit be at work in us today? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <music>